Hi, this is Carlos Centurion, president of RiverLogic. Welcome to another uh, series in our Real Talk uh, set of conversations and thought leadership. Um, I'm here with Pierre Mawet, uh, who is managing director of Accenture's uh, supply chain planning and fulfillment practice in North America. And we're here to talk about improving decision-making in the supply chain for better outcomes and increased resiliency. Welcome, Pierre. Thank you for having me, Carlos. So, Pierre, um, we wanted to type on some of your knowledge uh, and recent experiences across all the customers that you interact with. And uh, the first question I had for you was, uh, what are you seeing in the last year or two in terms of the top strategies people are using for better decision-making in supply chain planning? Yeah, thank you for the question, Carlos. Well, <clears throat> if you remember back in, uh, in March of 2020, we had a bit of an event um, called COVID, right? Which was a, a major disruption to most companies' supply chain. We had had supply chain disruptions before. Uh, the earthquake in Japan, the uh, typhoon in, uh, in Thailand, for example, uh, were disruptions. And so as supply chain professionals, we were kind of, you know, helping our clients, you know, reduce the risk associated with these, with these risks. Um, what we saw in March of 2020 was kind of unprecedented, right? So we had, we had first, we had a global shutdown, everything shut down. Then we're like, okay, what are we gonna do when we restart? In fact, we had a webinar on how to restart operations after COVID. Uh, <clears throat> then later in 2020, 21, 22, you know, we had a huge surge in demand for several industries, consumer goods and, and, and services, for example, right? So at that time, if you think back of, in terms of the planning space, um, a lot of our clients were looking at this and going, wow, you know, we typically use time series for forecasting, right? We, we look at what did we do this quarter or last quarter, and therefore this is kind of what we think we're going to do in the next quarter. Well, in March of 2020, all of that went out the window. It's like, well, I, I, I don't know if I can use 2019 to predict 2020. I don't know if 2020 is going to be a good predictor of 2021. So a lot of, uh, a lot of capital was actually spent, especially later in 2020 into 21 and 22, around planning transformation. Now, there's a lot of very good software vendors out there that have very, very good uh, uh, planning solutions. And a lot of our clients and a lot of companies in general, not just our clients, really embarked on those planning transformations. I would say that the results that we can see now as to what has happened over the last few years is kind of mixed results, right? First of all, a lot of these uh, very, very good planning solutions are also very, very complex. And so they require a fair amount of time to implement fair amount of money to implement, and they also require a fair amount of talent to be able to really fully utilize the capabilities that they offer. And I think what's happened is, is maybe some of our, some, some companies got overly ambitious. Uh, maybe they tried to kind of do too much in their overall transformation. Maybe the overall journey was not structured well enough. But, but I would say, again, the results were mixed, where we have a number of clients or a number of companies that we know uh, that were, that were fairly successful and some were kind of not so successful. Some even blamed on the software vendor themselves saying, hey, maybe we didn't pick the right horse and we need to pick somebody else. So it sounds like uh, there is a need for, um, if I could call it uh, an improvement or maybe going back to more basics, uh, how would you fix the situation? Well, you know, I hate to generalize, right? So there's definitely, we definitely have clients who have been extremely successful. And so for those, obviously, kudos to them and, and, and the journey that they've embarked. Uh, for anyone else who either has started and, and didn't, st didn't continue or somebody who hasn't really started on their overall planning transformation, I would say <clears throat> it would be important to go back to basics. 
I, I kind of describe this in is four, maybe five steps that are required uh, in order to really kind of fully transform the planning space. The first step is, is understand your business, right? Now, you, you may think like that's, that's self-evident, right? But you'd be surprised at how many companies that we know of, then we ask them basic questions in regards to demand variability or supply variability, and they really don't know the answer. So <clears throat> first step is understand your business, understand your demand, understand your customers, understand your supply, understand how variable, cyclical, seasonal your, your demand is, as well as your supply. If you place an order for, uh, if you place an order with one of your vendors to be delivered, let's say a Thursday a week from today, how is it really going to be delivered on Thursday a week from today? Or is it going to be Friday? Or is it going to be the following Monday? Or is it going to be, uh, what is it going to be? So again, a basic understanding. I'm not talking about very advanced statistical analysis here to really know everything there is to know about the business, but a basic understanding of demand, of supply. The outcome of that or the output of that is really more of a, is a, is a segmentation, right? So, so not everything matters the, the same in a business. So it's important to really understand what matters the most. And so a segmented demand and overall segmentation strategy is really the output of step one. Step two is, all right, so now that I, have, I know what matters the most and I have my segments, what's my forecast? What am I going to sell next week, next month, next quarter, right? I think a good forecast is really important in the business because otherwise we're really flying blind, right? We're like, okay, we know our segments. What are we going to do for them, right? What are we going to sell, right? So investing money in, in software uh, solutions that provide the ability to create good forecasts, I think is really important in step two. Again, I don't think that everybody needs 99.9% .9 forecast accuracy on every item at every location. You know, I'm not talking about overcomplicating the topic, but a good forecast is really, really important. <clears throat> step three is now that I have a good forecast, how am I going to service that demand? And I think the question needs to be asked here is, what is the most optimal way to service the demand that we now have established as part of our overall forecast? Now, to answer that question, I like RiverLogic and, and, and we've used it for our clients and I like it for three different reasons. The number one reason is it doesn't take years and millions and millions of dollars to implement, right? It's a relatively straightforward, I don't want to say easy to use, but it's a straightforward application that a lot of companies can really implement in a relatively short period of time. I think the, the most complex solution that we've had with our clients probably took five months. So, and, and in, in a lot of cases, it's even less than that. So number one, I like RiverLogic because it's fast and it's not as complicated as other solutions out there. <clears throat> number two, when I defined, I said, step three is the optimal way to service demand. Well, what does optimal mean? So in, for you, it may mean revenue maximization. For me, it may mean cost minimization. For somebody else, so depending on the cycle, it may mean cash flow optimization or margin or CO2 emission. RiverLogic has the, real, the good ability to take a lot of different objective functions and really be able to solve the problem on how to optimally serve the, service the demand depending on what we really want to optimize it for. <clears throat> the third one is the ability to translate the results of the model into financial statements. As a supply chain professional, you know, we get enamored with productivity improvement in terms of cases per hour or pallets or containers, truck loads, truck utilization, and all of that. That's great, but, but only we supply chain professionals really know how to you know, know what this really means. We need to be able to use the language that everybody in the organization understands, which is dollars, right? 
And again, RiverLogic has the ability to take the, uh, the, the model, if you will, right? The optimal way to service the demand based on the objective function and translate into a very clear income statement, balance sheet, statement of cash flow. So it's very easy to have a conversation with the CFO to say, if this is my forecast, and we all agree this is the forecast, the best possible way to meet the forecast is to do the following things from a production standpoint, from a distribution standpoint, inventory allocation, customer servicing, utilization of trucks, all of that. And this is how it translates into financial statements. It's very clear. Everybody understands financial statements. Number four, once I have my optimal way to service the demand, we know that reality is going to set it. And Mike Tyson had a saying, he, said, he used to say, everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. Well, we're going to get punched in the face. Everybody's going to get punched in the face. And typically it's when the first customer order is received, we get punched in the face. The question we have to ask ourselves is, what are we going to do? The first question we really have to ask ourselves is, how hard are we being punched, right? Is it just a little punch or is it like a really, really knockout punch? So again, I like RiverLogic for its ability to really understand the, the, the scenarios, if you will, and be able to model what are we going to do in the event that we have changes in the supply, changes in the demand, in other words, changes that were punched in the face. And what's the outcome of that? Meaning, what is the financial statement again? That, and then we can compare that to the optimal way. So we have an optimal way to service the demand, and then things start happening, and then we have a less optimal way to service the demand. What's the delta? How do we compare it? Again, in financial statement. But RiverLogic has a great ability to be able to run the scenarios. Now, a lot of customers could stop there. Uh, what I'm really excited as a supply chain professional is what's happening next, which is really step five, right? And <clears throat> step five is, is, is fixing the problems that we've had in step four. So if we think back at step four and we say, okay, we're going to run a bunch of scenarios, right? Now, what kind of scenarios are we going to run? Well, typically we run, we run demand-based scenarios, right? So if my demand goes up by 5% in the Dallas branch, what should I do? If my demand goes up by 5% in the Dallas branch and 10% in the Fort Worth branch, what, what am I going to do? What if those two things happen at the same time and my transportation cost goes up by 3%? And what if my lead time start expanding, right? You can easily see where at some point our human minds are going to be constrained by, you know, I would call it the lack of imagination. So we need to run scenarios. We don't know exactly the scenarios that are really going to happen in real life. But we, we, we can only think in so many variables as, as people, right? AI is a step five, has the ability to really come in and be able to run, I want to say, an unlimited number of scenarios in the background so that we really start understanding the trigger points. And so now we don't have to limit ourselves to the three or four or five or six different variables, but the, the machine itself can run an unlimited number of scenarios by changing a lot of variables on the fly and then, again, creating the results and being able to show us what the results are going to be in the financial statement. Now, machine learning has the ability to, again, machine learning, to learn from itself. So if we run a scenario that says my demand goes up by 5%, what should we do about it? Well, maybe the answer is nothing. Now, if my demand goes up by 5% and my lead time goes up by a week, what are we going to do about it? Well, maybe nothing. But if my demand goes up by 6%, and my lead time goes up by a week and my transportation cost goes up by 3%, maybe I have to do a lot of things very, very differently. Now, AI is going to allow me to run all those different combinations of scenarios and be able to determine 
you know, what am I going to do? The objective here is so that we can run as many scenarios as possible in the background so that when reality happens, we can really start seeing what are we going to do about it because chances are we will have run that scenario and we're going to be better prepared to take mitigating actions and again, show the results of that in a financial statement, which is going to reduce the impact of the disruption in our supply chain. So five things, basic uh, understanding of your demand and supply, segmentation, forecast, ability to optimally determine how to service, best service the demand, and then, and then scenario modeling, and then AI, which is going to allow us to really take the scenario modeling and the ability to run scenarios to a much higher level. So thanks, Pierre. That's an excellent uh, roadmap um, and something that we've also seen uh, in successful customers um, that perform really well. But I'm curious in your thoughts on when people do this well, how do they measure success? Uh, what impact do they see? And maybe you have a case study that you can share with us. Valerie, we have many case studies, right? Um, every situation is a little bit different, right? So it, 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 it's hard for me to say, well, you know, if you do these five steps or at least the four steps, right? Because we're not necessarily quite yet in the fifth step. But if you do these four steps, you're going to be able to improve your transportation cost by X percent. I think it, all, it really depends on what's your starting point, right? Uh, obviously. So if your truck utilization is already close to 70, 80, 90 percent, you're not going to see the improvement that someone else is at 30 percent, for example. Now, what we've seen is we've always seen a, a double-digit improvement in transportation cost, reduction in transportation cost. We've seen a better allocation and better positioning of inventory, and also a better cost, uh, a better improvement in terms of warehousing and distribution cost in general. So we have a client, for example, that where we did this work for, uh, for them. Um, rightfully so, they say, hey, this is a big change in our operations, because what we were actually recommending, especially from a transportation perspective, was very different from their going in position and what they thought they really needed. So they say, hey, we're going to start running a pilot. Uh, we're going to do a pilot in one area of the country. And within a month, the results were significant, right? I mean, I think within, a, if I remember correctly, within a month, they literally had improvement in transportation cost and overall operating cost uh, that were far superior than any money that they had spent on the project to even get to that point. So, so huge success for them. That's great. Um, and, uh, you know, we have our own examples of customers within RiverLogic, uh, some which you mentioned that we've worked on together, some that have come from other sources. Uh, and traditionally, when we see this sort of evolution into combining a better understanding of your uh, products and markets and channels with an understanding of where that might be going, and being able to run the trade-off scenarios, whether I want to maximize profit, minimize cost, improve the service level, as you mentioned, some of them now have sustainability targets, kind of bringing it all together and being able to then run scenarios that take into account risk and potential disruptions. Um, the, the ROI of those scenarios would typically see north of 10x, 10 times whatever the investment is people are putting in, uh, and that's across industries. We've seen that together in logistics, we're seeing it in pharma, consumer, uh, consumer goods, yeah. uh, uh, process industries. Yeah. Uh, so paper, it's uh, paper products, right? We we work together on paper products, taking incredible results. It's a number of uh, areas. Uh, I think from a river logic perspective, um, just kind of adding on and building to align our vision with uh, Pierre's sort of uh, your five-step roadmap um, of what people need to do in order to enable sort of that step three, four, and connect it to steps one and two, 
um, we tend to think about the vision being more end-to-end -end than what's traditionally being done in supply chain. Uh, so end-to-end -end meaning it's not just about logistics, it's not just about manufacturing, it's about looking at it all the way from procurement, through manufacturing, through logistics, through that customer segmentation, product segmentation, understanding all the interplays, the contracts that you have with your suppliers, the make versus buy, the investment opportunities that you have, whether it's in distribution or manufacturing, your flow path, so that you can maximize the outcome of those resources. Being able to translate those into managerial and financial accounting. Managerial meaning where are you incurring revenue and cost and how does that translate into profit and loss by segment, by customer, by product. Um, and then financial statement meaning how does that roll up into your P&Ls as you described earlier. And then the third piece of that is being able to do that at the right level of granularity. Because sometimes we need to go down to, I think you've taken some models down to uh, a 10-day view in days. And some other models that I know you guys have done are a five-year horizon uh, in months or quarters. Uh, and those have different granularity and they serve different purposes. But it's all about fitting into what the client needs so they can run the scenarios um, appropriately. Uh, so very insightful uh, what you shared with us today. Uh, we uh, have another webinar coming with Pierre, talking about the, uh, in particular the use of AI uh, for transformative decision making in the supply chain space. Uh, so please join us for that. And I wanted to thank you for sharing your insights with us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you.